and welcome to The Travel Diaries. Thank you for being here. I'm Holly Rubenstein. I'm a travel and entertainment journalist. And here each week, I'll be speaking to a special guest about their adventures around the world and the travel experiences that have shaped their lives. Today, I'm joined by a best-selling author of fiction and non-fiction, a TV presenter, Times columnist, and my favorite winner of the Great British Bake Off, the fabulous Nadia Hussein. It was a sixth series of Bake Off back in 2015 that Nadia wowed audiences and the judges with some extraordinary bakes, but also with her warmth and humility. Her life has now changed beyond recognition. We talk about how prior to the Bake Off, travel only really involved visiting her family in Bangladesh. Now she's busy traveling the globe, filming documentaries and getting recognized in the most remote places imaginable. All that and more coming up on this episode of The Travel Diaries. Nadia Hussein, welcome to the Travel Diaries. It is such a pleasure to have you here. Hi. How are you? I'm good. Tired, but good. I am looking at your beautiful new book. We've just been kind of smoothing its lovely fresh cover, Time to Eat. How does it feel to see it here in front of you? It's so exciting. You know, uh, what nobody realises from like from start to finish, it takes months, months, close to a year to get it to where it is and to see it like just fresh you know like you can still smell the pages now the kids are starting to use the book at home so they're starting we're starting to get sticky pages we're starting to get folded over pages and it's just it's starting to get used and that's the best thing about cookbooks so exciting yeah so we're gonna go on a journey through the travel diaries of your life so far I'm I'm so excited excited. oh I'm so pleased Mm -hmm. so let's start with chapter one and that's your earliest travel memory what would that be my earliest travel memory would have to be when I was in Bangladesh uh, when I was five. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's the first place I ever travelled to on a plane. I wow. remember that mm-hmm. well. Um, Quite a long flight as your first yeah, flight. Yeah, like 12 hours, maybe yeah. 14 hours back then because it was a couple of stops. Bef- now you can get a direct flight straight to Bangladesh uh, to Silet where, where my family are from uh, and it takes 11 hours but Back then, I believe that we did take a flight and we have to stop off at the capital in Dhaka. And then you have to stop there and wait for about six or seven hours, stay in a hotel and then catch a domestic flight over to Sillet. Um, and I remember that because that domestic flight was hideous. I just I remember that being horrible. But, you know, we're talking about travel. For me, travel isn't something that apart from going to Bangladesh, you know, it's not something that I did very much of. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, you know, and growing up in the community that I did, that's nobody traveled. Nobody went anywhere. You know, you either went went back home which was where your family are from Mm -hmm. or that was it Mm -hmm. Um, but my first memory of getting on a plane was going to Bangladesh and it was so exciting because uh, my dad spoke about Bangladesh in such a romantic way you know he had a way I mean the way he spoke for him firstly to to call it back home you know this is my home and he would always say back home and Mm -hmm. and and I always wanted to know what home was for him yeah and I'll never forget that first time I got off the plane and there's that unnatural cold air conditioning, kind of recycled air that you get in a plane. And then when you 
touch down and that that door gets swung open and you get hit by this wave of like it feels like a furnace it feels like you are stepping out onto the sun absolutely and I'll never forget that I remember just feeling like being just like the the top layer of my face just being fried (laughs) thinking my goodness what is this I never felt heat like it and I remember just always remembering that heat stepping off the plane. And do you have a kind of sentimental attachment to Bangladesh whenever you go back there now? I mean, that is always going to be the place that, although it's not my home, my dad always addressed it as home. So Mm. it'll always be a home away from home. You know, I can not go to Bangladesh. I didn't go to, between getting married and going to Bangladesh, there was a gap of 10 years. It's the longest time I've been away from Bangladesh. Um, And even it's, Bangladesh is like, the the friend the really really good friend that you don't get to speak to all the time you know mm-hmm. how when you see a friend and even though you're really good friends you don't get to speak to each other for months but then you the moment you're together it just all kind of fits into place well Bangladesh is Bangladesh, it's like you've never been apart yeah Bangladesh is a little bit like that for mm-hmm. me I can step into Bangladesh and it's like I never left oh that's so nice how about chapter two the first place you fell in love with the first place I ever felt, I want to say Bangladesh. Mm-hmm. I want to say Bangladesh because, it, but as a kid, it was just the place that we went to every other year. Um, and it did become kind of home away from home. We just, we had, we had our own clothes up there. We had our own, you know, like our oh, cupboards. Oh, that's so nice. It makes such a difference. That really is a home away from home then, yeah, right? Yeah, and like my mum had her own pots and pans. And so we just kind of like fit back into the village and it was lovely. But the first time I ever travelled outside of Bangladesh was Paris. And it was... Um, a trip that my husband and I desperately wanted to do and we had two very young kids and I'm one of those parents who I really struggle to ask for help so I I, I would kind of like I want to do everything myself and I it took all of my willpower to ask my mum to look after the kids and I was like mum just two days Um, and even then I was supposed to ask her for three days and I was like no I'm not leaving them for three days three days is too much they were only (laughs) three and two right at the time and I said no mum I've got to I'm going to leave them with you and I went to Paris and we did um we went to the Eiffel Tower but that was the first place that I'd ever traveled to outside of Bangladesh and not with my own family and how was it how did it feel I mean everything about Paris is just you know you hear about it you read about it in novels you read about it in you know you read about it in travel books you read about it in magazines you hear stories and there's this kind of romantic um nature of Paris that you kind of I kind of wanted to be proven wrong. I wanted to go there and say, oh, it's not, it's not that good. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is exactly that. It is everything that you read. It lived up books. to your expectations and, and more, some. Yeah. And more. It was incredible. And maybe it was because it was our first trip away and it was with my husband. But as much as I fell in love with it, I was desperate to get home to the kids. So I said yeah. to my husband, after we got married in this country, which was only a couple of months ago, which wasn't very long ago, um, I said to my husband, we've got to go back to Paris. Can we just go back to Paris? Because I'm much more comfortable leaving the kids behind now. It's like, Mm -hmm. no, I'm all right with them being looked after by someone. So um, I was like, can we go back to Paris? So I think for me, it'd have to be Paris. And then not to mention the patisseries, of course. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And of course, the first place we fell in love with you was on the Great British Bake Off back in 2015. I can't imagine how much life has changed for you, obviously, since then. What a whirlwind. But I wondered how life has changed for you when it comes to travel, you know, traveling before you were on the show versus now as a celebrity. It, it, it's definitely a whole other, whole other world. Uh, before Bake Off, I was 
we'd go on holiday every few years with the kids, you know, um, but it, it wasn't anything. You, we'd, 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 by the time I'd gone to Bake Off, I'd ca- travelled to a couple of countries. And bearing in mind, my husband is very well travelled. He's travelled all over the world and he loves travelling. Mm-hmm. And of course, when you have children, some of that has to stop. You kind of have to stop to, like, you have to be in a position where we had to think about, like, do we have, the, can we afford to go on holiday? And do we want to take the kids to these exotic places? And for me, travel was not on my radar. It wasn't something that I was ever interested in. Um, Interesting. It was something that I always thought about. It was very kind of in my head. I watched other people travel and thought, I really want to be like them, but never really imagined that it would ever happen. Um, and then after Bake Off, um, since Bake Off, I've had lots of opportunities to travel, which I could have said no to, but... I deliberately said, no, I've got to take these. Off. I've got to go. And I'm, it's, I think it's an addict. It's, it's, it's you can get addicted, can't you? Oh, yeah. Tell you, me about it. <laughs> you can really get addicted. And now, every time somebody says something, I have this like bucket list of places that I want to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just keep adding countries. Um, and I just, and my kids have become, like every time I go to a new country and they're not with me, they say, mommy, can we put that on the list, please? And they always say they're really jealous. They're just like, mommy, it's not fair that you get to see these lovely countries. And they've got the bug. I can see it. So yeah. when we travel, they don't like poolside kind of relaxing holidays they want to go off the beaten track and and explore and I love that oh, that's them. great they're already adventurers yeah and I don't want them to like growing up for me I I was always restricted and I wasn't able to travel and I don't want them to feel like that I want them to feel like the world is theirs to take so I want them to travel and see the world wonderful chapter three is the trip where you learned the most about yourself what would that be so I did um a documentary uh last year about about my DNA and I found out that my family are from Cambodia, Thailand and Nepal and they are three of the most like Thailand it feels like the place lots of people go to you know you hear about people going on holiday and you hear Thailand and in my head it was never on the list Um, and then when it came up instant I was like those three countries have to go on the list I have to travel Um, and so what did you do a DNA heritage test yeah so I did did a DNA test and found out that my family got percentage of a certain percentage of Thai blood a Cambodian and Nepalese and that was a massive shock yeah I really wasn't expecting that at all I was expecting Southeast Asian that's it and like nothing more mm-hmm. uh, but it was so specific and I was like well I've got to travel to these countries I've got to see like it's not just about traveling to the countries it's about trying to hear how they speak and what they look like and what they eat it's all of that mm. um and I traveled to Thailand and Cambodia to start off with. And that, for, I, I mean, when I went there, I was like all in, heads first, head first. And it was, I was so consumed by everything traveling to Thailand and Cambodia. But it was when I went to Nepal that something struck and I wasn't sure what it was. I wasn't sure. I just, um, it was just something about being in Nepal that I'll, I'll never quite forget because I wanted to go there and feel a connection. And I did feel it in Thailand and Cambodia, but something about being in Nepal, I felt an instant connection. Mm. And it's a very spiritual place, isn't it? It, it is. A moving place to be. Yeah. And what was it about Nepal that kind of got to you? Um, they, they, like you were saying, it's quite a spiritual country and there's lots of Buddhists there. And it just kind of made me question, like, who was I before? Mm-hmm. I was this British Bangladeshi Muslim woman, you know, I could have been a Buddhist, you know, and I don't know because I'll never know because my family have done, um, you know, my family can't do a census because, you know, my granddad was born in the village. They didn't have birth certificates. They didn't have death certificates. So we didn't know. We don't know where 
we know we don't know where they're from um and so going to i suppose going to those three countries it was really important for me to kind of try and find a connection and i remember just stepping foot and thinking i feel like somebody like wherever i've walked somebody's walked where i've been and wow that's really powerful yeah there was something about that i just i can't i couldn't i couldn't put my finger on it i still can't to this day put my finger on it but i said to my husband that we've got to take the kids back to nepal and i think it, what might have been the thing that triggered me was i could understand the language Oh, so they right. were saying things and I could understand what they were saying and I've never ever traveled to a country apart from Bangladesh where I could understand what they were saying and it wasn't English. So is that because there was a crossover with there must have been there must have been in in because Bangladesh Bengali derived from Sanskrit and I think there's that kind of there's a crossover somewhere and I could right. understand things I went shopping and I could actually buy things and understand what they were saying that's pretty cool never been to a country apart from whether an English unless it's an English speaking country never been anywhere where I could understand and I think that's where I think I felt the connection so I definitely definitely want to go back Mm. And I also read that when you were filming your Asian Odyssey documentary that that was the first time you were traveling solo for the first time. Is that right? Yeah. So tell me about that. How was that for you? Um, It was that's the scariest thing I've ever done is to have to travel without my family, especially my kids and my husband. Because my traveling journey really began with them. It Mm -hmm. never, you know, I used to go to Bangladesh, but because it was a home away from home, I was doing it with my mum and dad. There was no no thinking involved as a child, but as a grown-up, you know, it's the first time I'd, you know, I started traveling with the kids, with my husband. It was the first time I was doing it without them. And that was so scary for me. I really, really struggled with that. I really... I had to battle myself quite a lot to say yes to going to going so it was it was really hard but the first time I ever traveled um, without them was when I did Chronicles of Nadia Um, and that was really difficult that was really Mm -hmm. difficult and I remember just crying buckets just before leaving saying I can't do this and there were moments where I did nearly very nearly pull out. And then when you did it, did you feel a real sense of achievement? That That was it. That was the bug, though. That's when I got the bug. The moment I'd done it, I'd realized that actually this isn't that hard. Mm. This is actually really easy. And as much as I love traveling with my kids, to be able to go and I I mean, who gets to call this their job? Like, this is my job. It's insane that I get to go and travel, meet wonderful people, eat delicious food and travel um, and travel the world. Um, to be able to call it my job is, is it's surreal to say the least. Speaking about delicious food, what would you say is the place that you've eaten best on your travels? Uh, oh, that's so hard because everyone had cooked such delicious food. But when I was in Nepal, something that we is something that's really common in in our um, in our kind of day to day. My parents still cook it. It's called dalbat, which is rice and lentils. Very simple, poor man's food. You know, really, really simple, really easy. And I didn't think that having eaten lentils and rice my whole life that I would ever go anywhere where anybody would cook it better than my mum. Mm-hmm. All I'm saying is, my mum has not. They 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 have honestly. My mum. In, if, I, if I compare between my mum and the dalbataya in Nepal, mum is, it's not even competition, mum, just leave. <laughs> Honestly, just leave mum because they cook the most delicious. I mean, it's so simple, rice and lentils. And they have this herb that grows in the mountains. You can't get this herb anywhere else. 
It's just in the mountains and you can only get it in Nepal. They pick these herbs when they're just, like they literally have a season of a week where they Uh. pick these herbs. They pick them and they dry them and they store them and they kind of temper them in yak butter. Oh, wow. And then they... So not something you'd be recreating in England, really. Exactly. Yeah. I could try, yeah. but it's not going to work that way. And wow. then you just... They, they temper it in this yak butter and they put it on top of the lentils. And what I love about being in Nepal is that they don't... They eat butter like you would never believe. Honestly, <laughs> like thick layers of butter on everything and that's I think that's why I reckon that's why I found a connection with them (laughs) all that butter it's because of the butter (laughs) that's what it is how would you like to look five years younger in a clinical study people that had volume added with Juvederm Voluma XC in the cheeks perceived themselves as looking five years younger at six months after treatment Look younger, feel like you. Add volume for lift and contour in the cheeks with Juvederm Voluma XC. Reverse signs of aging by adding volume to smooth laugh lines with Juvederm Volur XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do? Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Chapter four is your all-time favorite destination. What would that be? My all-time favorite destination. Um... One of, it changes. Surely, as somebody who travels now, and and as somebody who enjoys traveling yourself, Mm -hmm. like, doesn't it always change? Yeah, yeah, there isn't just one standout. There's a flavor of the year. Yeah. Maybe. Um, And I think that our, my standout trip, I think, for us 
is always it's always going to be the one that I took my kids. You know, like wherever I've taken my kids has always been the one that always stands out. And we try and go on holiday every year, be it small or big. Um, and last year we went to Canada, which oh, wow. I really wasn't expecting to enjoy. I just which like, part of Canada? So we did Toronto. We drove to Vancouver. So, oh wow, all the way across. Yeah, so we drove all the way across, um, and it was. It was a really difficult journey because we didn't, we've never driven before in a, in, in a foreign country. So I said to my husband, look, he said, look, as long as you don't fall asleep, okay, because you're my wingman, you've got to keep an eye on things. <laughs> and you're like, what if a moose comes in front of us? What do we do? So looking up what to do if, you, if you're in front of a moose or like a grizzly bear or something. And my, my son's a big animal expert. He knows everything there is to know. So he would always tell us, mom, this is what we need to do. So we're doing, my favorite holiday was that one because... Um, and it's the one that really stands out is because it was a team effort. And mm-hmm. now, as my kids are getting older, going on holiday is becoming a team effort. So I'll tell Mariam to, she's eight, and I'll say, go research what kind of foods we need to be eating. And so she'll go and research and write down a list of all the foods we should be eating. And she carries that list with her. And we try and find those foods. Oh, that's um, wonderful. We eat things like butter tarts and Nanaimo bars and just like everything we possibly find. And bagels, like a big deal in Canada. Um, and we find, we so many different types of bagels so it was really lovely to be able to kind of do that holiday but it was a kind of joint effort it wasn't just Abdal booking the tickets and me looking for things to do uh we it was a joint effort so the kids really got involved for me it would have to be Canada although when we got there it was like torrential rain and downtown got flooded Oh no! And so we were stuck in the hotel for a whole day, and I was like, I said, "With all your kids, that's with the kids. quite intense." And I said, "Guys, what are we going to do?" And the alarm bell kept, the fire alarm kept going off, and the kids were so excited. They said, "Mom, this is better than any holiday we've ever been on." I was like, "Oh my goodness, you pay all this money <laughs> to take him to this beautiful country, and they're really excited by a flooded basement." Mm, yeah, that's kids for you, right? Yeah. <laughs> Chapter five is your hidden gem, a place that you might recommend that people might not know about. Okay, so. When I was traveling and I went to Thailand, I thought we were going to go to a kind of like, you know, kind of typical kind of resorty type area where, you know, all the Brits go. And I thought, no. And, and what we we went to this beautiful, absolutely beautiful island called Koh Sukhorn, mm-hmm. um, And it's got a population of 2,000. I've never so, heard of it. And you, you, you go on a boat, like a really bouncy boat. And then you get on and then you literally, there's a little port. And then you turn up and you somebody helps you with your bags and you get up onto the island. And they've got, it's a population of 2,000. So tiny. Yeah, it's really small. Um, and they've got uh, the rubber industry. So they've got, um, they, they've got rubber trees and so they tap for rubber and you kind of walk past and as you drive past in your little tuk-tuk you can see rubber plants and little pots where the rubber's just kind of dripping um, and that's that's where they make most of their money wow. and you've got these rubber mats everywhere um, and is it kind of a tropical paradise it is exactly that so you, you kind of drive through in these little tuk-tuks and there's no proper cars it's just like little tuk-tuks everywhere um, and there's little stalls and if I was going to say go anywhere, go to Kosakorn. It is the most beautiful island. They've got these little houses, these little resorts where you can go and stay. And you just feel like a local. You don't feel like you're on holiday. And it's really funny because I was having breakfast in this little kind of, these little huts and I was sleeping in my own little hut, which was beautiful. It was this beautiful round hut right by the edge of the sea. So you could see, hear the water. You could hear the kind of water just swishing back and forth. Mm. And it's just beautiful um and then I went for breakfast and I never expected to go there and then I I, I sat at breakfast and somebody said are you Nadia I was like what 
No, 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 no. <laughs> I did not expect to come on a tiny island of population of 2,000 and for anyone to recognize me. And so we so took, that is how life has changed. Yeah, that's yeah. how life has changed. And it was, it was surreal. But if anyone was ever going to go to Thailand, I would highly recommend Koh Sukhorn. It's a beautiful, beautiful island. And of the 2,000 people, I never met one. One, everybody there was absolutely, they were smiling and happy and lovely. And they've got this wonderful grandma who makes the best grandmother's curry paste. Right. So you have to seek her out. Find her. Everybody knows her on the island. If you say, where, where can I find grandmother's curry paste? She, they will point you to her. Amazing. Chapter six is the place you'd never go back to. Oh, the place I'd never go back to. Um... Well, there's certain places, I suppose, that that you would... There's certain places, I suppose, that you go and you just think, I've done it now. Like, we're, we're done now. Like, we've gone there. We're probably not going to go back again. Um, and we went... Oh, that's horrible. I feel really mean saying this. But we went to Germany. And the reason why... My son always says he doesn't want to go back is because he, he, we found out that he has an allergic reaction to horses in Germany. And that's not Germany's fault. No. <laughs> that's just because we went on a carriage ride. And, and, and so whenever I say to my son, what's your least favorite holiday? He says, he says Germany, mum, because that's where I had my allergic reaction. <laughs> so even if I wanted to, I can't go back there unless Fair I'm enough. on my own. Yeah. Unless I'm on my own. Chapter seven is your next big adventure. Yep. Well... We're here looking at your beautiful book. I imagine that is one big adventure coming up right now and your new series that is coming out with it. Absolutely. That's, yeah, my, I mean, sometimes adventures don't mean having to get on a plane. Absolutely. Um, and, and this in itself is a massive, massive trip for me because, you know, I get to, you know, I almost get to travel the entire world through cooking, through recipes. And I think what's, what's better than doing that? Because it's just, it's wonderful that I get to cook and I get to eat and I get to share these wonderful recipes. And I'm so excited about that. And also, you know, with the series that comes alongside it, I get to travel all of the UK. And let's forget, let's not forget that, you know, staycations are pretty good too. So tell me about the inspiration behind the book. It's all about finding time to eat, but finding time to use the time that you use to cook to be able to enjoy the people that you love and the time that you have because we all I love cooking don't get me wrong but I don't want to be in the kitchen all day long mm. and the book is about the way I cook and the way I eat and I really wanted to share that because over the last 14 years I've always kind of been really kind of I've always had to think ahead and think right if I'm cooking now could I cook something right now and I can eat some of it now and stick some of it in the freezer you know oh, the freezer tips were amazing I mean you. there are just so many kind of practical things things there that that a lot of people I don't think wouldn't would know yeah just just really good useful tips yeah I just think that if we just strip it back and say right here's my kitchen what have I got in my kitchen how am I going to save time in here so when I go in the kitchen and I'm cooking something I'll double batch or things like you know wilted herbs Mm -hmm. you know we always throw things away so good at wasting we are yeah Um, wilted herbs you don't throw them away, stick them in the microwave, yeah. zap them for 10 seconds, and you've got instant dried herbs. So I just don't believe that we should throw everything away. We should use, and everything's an ingredient, you know, save your potato peelings. There's a wonderful recipe in there for a scrap soup, which is potato peelings, carrot peelings, parsnip peelings, um, broccoli stems, all into a stock pot, cooked with some spicy, you know, with some spices and then blitzed down. You've got a thick, hearty soup. I mean, don't throw anything away. If, you, if it's edible, then find a way of cooking it. Brilliant. And I think any book that kicks off with a raspberry cheesecake croissant recipe is one that 
That's right for me. Perfect. Yep, I agree. (laughs) So the final chapter in your travel diaries is chapter eight. And that is what's at the top of your bucket list. We were just talking about it. So maybe there are a few things. There are loads of places that I want to visit. And I always say to my kids that we want to, one of the things that we've always wanted to do is climb a mountain. Mm -hmm. And um, one day, one of these days, we're going to do the three peaks in this country. My husband does them every single year. And and yeah, he does it every year. And we've never gone with him yet. We want the kids to be ready so we can do it together. But for me, I've got loads of places I want to visit. But I want to go to Machu Picchu. Mm -hmm. Definitely. That's like on my list of places to go. Um, That because I really want to climb a mountain. Fantastic. Yeah. Uh, but I also want to relax. So I really want to go to Mauritius because I had neighbors. I used to have neighbors who were from Mauritius and they'd come back with their holiday pictures, you know, like white sand, blue beaches, you know, blue sea. And I was like, I really want to go to Mauritius. So those are the two places in the world that I want to go with my kids. Brilliant. Oh, well, thank you so much, Nadia. Those were your travel diaries. What a pleasure. Thank you so much. What a delightful lady. It was a real honour to speak to Nadia. She's a role model for so many and such an inspiration. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, then please do subscribe, rate and review. I'd love to hear from you. And come and find me on Instagram. I'm at Holly Rubenstein. Catch you next time for another episode of The Travel Diaries. Today's episode is supported by Airbnb. It has been a long old winter here in the UK and in between podcast seasons, I'm going to take a little bit of downtime to seek out some warmth. I'm jetting off to the Greek island of Mykonos, visiting some places that have been on my bucket list. And while I'm hopefully soaking up some Mediterranean sun, my home will be hosting guests from all over the world thanks to Airbnb. It's the perfect way to make your travels even more rewarding. Instead of letting your home sit empty while you're off exploring new destinations, why not turn it into a cozy retreat for fellow travellers just like I do. Whether you choose to rent out your entire space or just a spare room, it's up to you. I list my spare bedroom and it's been a fantastic experience, both financially rewarding and a great way to connect with new people. So if you're planning your own summer getaway or any trip for that matter, consider putting your home on Airbnb. It's a fantastic way to earn extra income that can go towards your travel expenses, souvenirs, or even that special treat you've been eyeing. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.co.uk forward slash host. Thank you to Airbnb for supporting the Travel Diaries. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.